Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, a late episode of Marlin's Corner. Uh, just to make up for uh, not being there for you, I, I super apologize for that. Uh, I'm going to just do two topics today. Uh, one of the topics I'm going to cover is on Jupiter's legacy. Um, we talked about that, and I want to say the week before last in our podcast. Um, in that, uh, you may have noticed that I had uh, an enjoyment of that. I enjoy the show a little bit better than um, my fellow co-host. So there was that. Um, I think, honestly, uh, what it came down to is it's, it's a couple of things. One, I had not read the source material. So I'm sure if you've read uh, the graphic novels by Mark Miller, I'm sure you had your own interpretation of how you felt about the show. Um, yeah, I went in there just uh, just cold. Didn't know what was going on. Saw what looked like a superhero show. Was very interested in what uh, they had to tell in the story. Um, so again, my feeling of the show probably doesn't uh, align with yours, but, you know, why not just, you know, open up the discourse a bit, you know? So I was going to talk about some things that I liked about the show. And again, I talked a little bit about that during our podcast, but let's just focus on one of the things in particular, which is the focus on um, being a hero and ultimately the code. Um, now, for me, what kind of sent me down this um spiral, some would say, is the show's um, insistence on uh, focusing on what this superhero code entails. Uh, now, in the show, we have the utopian, uh, a.k.a. Sheldon, uh, discusses his superhero code, which is around uh, not killing and not getting involved in uh, politics of any sort. And I think for a show that uh, is about being superheroes, it was very interesting to have it. And I'm sure some of the folks had their own interpretations of their feelings about it, but it was very interesting to kind of watch them discuss the pros and cons of this particular uh, code in and of itself. Um, I think what made it all the more interesting is where these characters come from. Now, on the show, uh, we do get a chance to see that Sheldon and a few of the others are born uh, right around the time that there's this great stock market crash, uh, which coincides right along with the Great Depression. So we kind of get um, really a uh, firsthand knowledge of who they are uh, down to, you know, them from, you know, being rich to being poor, from black to being poor, uh, you get a really good, solid foundation of uh, where they come from. And I think it also adds uh, to this whole code. Um, mind you, this is d definitely a shout out to the golden age of superheroes, where, again, their biggest worry uh, was all about bank robbers and um, maybe someone trying to, you know, steal jewelry. Uh, and of course, this code fits, um, you know, somewhat well within it. You have villains that, for the most part, uh, are just kind of hokey and, you know, they'll have 
they'll have like a Tommy gun and they'll run up in a bank and ask everyone to put their hands up and wait for them and then take their money. So the code works for that. But I think what the show also adds is the fact that, yes, this happened during the Great Depression and there are multiple wars that happened afterwards. And I think this is where uh, the show really kind of had some gas for me was that second um, pillar, which is around not getting involved in politics. Now, of course, on the surface, that could mean great. You know, we're not going to advocate for a war. We're not going to advocate for people's right to vote. We're just going to, you know, be the example of of what man should live up to. And again, what's interesting is the show sticks to all the same current events that happen, not current events, they stick to all the historical events that happen within our timeline. They stick to World War II, World War I. They stick to a lot of uh, racial injustices. So more or less are showing that these heroes were around for almost all of it. And I think it really calls into questions, uh, sorry, it really calls into question, uh, are they truly a hero if, again, all these uh, historical traumatic events happened under their watch? I think that was a very clever thing to do, which is to call out, hey, this timeline is very similar to yours, and that all these things happened. Is that this timeline had heroes, yet it didn't really change anything? Um, you of course have Brainwave. Sheldon's brother discuss how um, his breaking point from adhering to the code for him that happened around uh, World War II, where he wanted to uh, get involved in the Holocaust. He wanted to go save lives, and a burden that he has to carry is knowing that they had a very um, isolationist approach to saving those lives. And when you think about it, what that truly means is that, yes, there were, you know, politics around fascism and whatnot, but what that also means is that the, uh, you know, the Utopian and the other heroes, they happen to, the, the, the Union, they happen to see the lives of those, uh, of the Jewish individuals at the time, they were considered, uh, tied to the politics. Their identity was tied to politics. And they refused to separate their identities from politics in order to save them um, at all. And I think that, again, adds to the severity of this uh, golden rule, as we'll call it, the code of being a superhero, where, yes, you're saving lives from aliens and the like, but also you're letting people die if they are connected to politics you know if you know it makes you really wonder um about a lot of you know uh, social or racial injustices within uh americas and the world where they were like yeah that's terrible and you all should not do that but we're not going to stop you you know if anything it paints the union as um basically the un where yeah the un will condemn countries and condemn dictators but more or less it's uh it's kind of just like a mouthpiece like yeah that's terrible they shouldn't do that and they're terrible people for doing that and you know we send our thoughts and prayers their way uh and it's disappointing when you realize that the union unlike the un all have these godly superpowers yet at the end of the day they um for the sake of uh, humanity, as uh, the utopian would say, they don't seek to have a heavy hand when it comes to guiding humanity towards the right path, where instead they just kind of seek to more or less just be uh, 
a beacon of light and hope for all humankind to do better by. So I think that for me was the most interesting part of the show. And I'm hoping that it does get a season two. I know that it definitely wasn't um, received quite well. It's a lot of mixed reviews out there. I'm sure a lot of the folks who like the comics weren't too happy with it. They changed a few things around, kind of a lot of things around. Um, but I really hope they do come back and kind of challenge this um superhero code. I think it really calls into effect superheroes like Superman um, and how he, you know, is, he doesn't want to get involved in politics, but I think even his character as a whole over time has evolved to where Superman will intervene in certain, certain things. If he feels like, Hey, like I know that, you know, uh, I, I got to fix this. I also think it's, it's the reason why a lot of these heroes have changed their slogans, you know, from, you know, being truth and justice in the American way, just to be like, Hey, I'm just a superhero for everybody. Uh, and in hopes to be kind of um, an independent agent, some would say. Um, so it's interesting to see that this is a show where um, they're not really tying to patriotism, but they're more or less aligning with uh, the the golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated, uh, even if that means um, the other people that are there are killing others, uh, you're still turning the other cheek and trying to shame them to do something better. So again, we'll see what happens. Um, I look forward to seeing what happens in season two, if they get another one. I know that Mark Miller signed on um, with Netflix for a couple of his shows, so we will see. Um, and hey, I hope you give it a shot. I know that I've been telling folks, give it a three-episode watch. It is incredibly slow. Uh, I will admit that I'm kind of a fan of the slow burn. I like kind of trying to piece things together. I like not having all the, the information up front and kind of like going through it along with the story. So that kind of was my, uh, you know, that kind of was my thing with the show. I have a couple of my friends who uh, weren't really aligned with that altogether. So, hey, understandable. And uh, lastly, what I'm going to talk about is uh, season two of uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Now, you might have heard my little tirade on this recent episode. Not a tirade, more of a comments and and uh, feedback. Uh, and I think what I really want to dive into is um, something that this season uh, didn't have a lot of, and I think it was the key factor to its success in the first place. Um, and that would be the absurdity of it. I think um, when you watch the first season of Love, Death, and Robots, um, yes, there were uh, a lot um, of episodes that were serious and dark and took themselves, um, you know, very serious, had an opinion, had a focus, and were kind of there to kind of, you know, it was very Black Mirror-ish. But I also think the show, for the most part, had a lot of absurd um, animations and plots. And I think that carried it. I think having that kind of palate cleanser through and through was, was what was helpful and it was memorable. A lot of the episodes that people remember, yes, they remember the last episode with the uh, Russians fighting the monsters from hell. But they also remember episodes around uh, a planet with aliens um, and farmers were fighting them. And, you know, they live in a little, a little biodome and they were able to kind of match and pair these dark tones along with some hilarity, some funny things. And I think that was what was missing was a, a lot of these episodes kind of were... Um, you know, very, very serious, you know, all, you know, with, you know, of course, the first episode coming out the gate, you know, automated customer service definitely was hilarious. And I think it was a great episode to put first, just to kind of remind folks of 
you know, that nostalgia of the show. But I do think that along with only having eight episodes, there was a loss of creativity um, for season two. Um, we definitely saw a lot of photorealism, but we also wanted to see a lot of 2D animation. You know, we, we wanted to see what else they could do with it. There was a lot of uh, great 2D animated films, uh, short films in the first one. Um, Zima Blue was an, an, an interesting uh you know, animated style. And I think this time around, there really was a lack of that animated variety. You know, I think we were hoping to see something very similar to different directors, different um, animation, different styles of storytelling. So I do hope that with volume three, we get a little more episodes and we maybe get to dive into some more creativity uh, and how people choose to, to watch things. Photorealism is fantastic. I love photorealism. But I also think that, uh, you know, for a show that really was um, put up on a pedestal for having just a, a, a vast swath of, of options, it was kind of um, a misstep to focus more on photorealism this time around. And again, it looks really cool. Michael B. Jordan, for a, a real good minute, I've truly thought that was Michael B. Jordan um, before. I was like, oh, this is like a really intense photorealism. And it looks really great. Um, but yeah, I want to see more of that wacky 2D animation. I want to see some stories that are really goofy. Um, I want to outwardly laugh um, the way I outwardly laughed um, about the yogurt episode in season one. Like that was such a random episode about yogurt taking over the planet. It was just so bizarre, yet uh, I feel like it just really... Uh, encapsulated all that death love different in robots was about so i do hope season two we get a little bit more um but hey we'll see season three comes in 2022 fingers crossed to that uh thank you for listening and joining me in the corner um our timeout is over uh definitely take some time now get some water hug your loved ones we really appreciate you listening into our group um definitely follow us on social media uh on you know at geek force podcast you can follow me on instagram uh at m w i l l i f 14 um follow me i'll follow you back you know hit me up about some questions you have about the show or any topics you think we should add so Really appreciate you stopping by today. Uh, Have an amazing day. Be kind to yourself and uh, geek on. This episode of Quest On Media's Geek Force was produced in Richmond, California.